Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me this week is Joseph Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How's it going? It's going well. It's an interesting <laughs> week, and there's a lot to discuss. And I guess let me start by framing um, the the discussion with this idea that um, you know a lot has happened this year. Uh, we've had a lot of surprises on the macro space. We've obviously had a lot of uh, developments in financial markets in the credit space. And not all that much has happened to people's forecasts. I mean, if we think about the world, um, we came into the year with the broad sweep of U.S. economists expecting to see a recession, mo many of whom by the middle part of the year, uh, and the market pricing and Fed easing. And we're sitting here today with uh, still most people thinking there's going to be a recession. Maybe they pushed it back a little bit. Certainly they're not hopefully not expecting it in the first quarter. And Some people um, thought that. <laughs> a lot of people did, uh, yeah. Exactly. And, and, some um, people still think that. <laughs> well, that's my question is whether some people <laughs> still think that. And, um, you know, the, the so the recession views have been pushed back, but not pushed away. And the Fed easing story has uh, been pushed forward here. And the question I'm asking is to what degree um, does the news justify that and and whether there's a more significant um challenge to the to that baseline narrative i think there is um but before we get into an argument about that let me just get your your perspective i i actually think you've made a big deal about this point for a while that actually two points we've been making right one is that timing matters here and another is we had this kind of running theme earlier in the year of observational equivalence, where we said things are actually going to feel pretty good initially before they start to give away and we start to see some of the pressures that as the, the drags of last year fade, combined with some kind of fiscal supports earlier in the year, you're going to, things should be feel pretty good in the first quarter. And I think we are getting that. So that really shouldn't be that big of a surprise. I oh, think the oh, point oh, that, let me stop you here a second. If we went back to where we were, at the end of last year, we had 1% U.S. growth and negative growth for Europe in the first quarter. So there's been a much bigger change. We had not been looking for particularly good news. We've been looking for to avoid recession, but we were not looking for global yeah, growth so, anywhere I mean, close gonna, anywhere I'm, close right. to we're not we're starting to touch towards absolutely four percent global right. growth in Q1. Yeah, so I was going to pivot to we're getting more than than what we expected, and and you're right. I I do think like on Europe, for instance. I know I was more upbeat. I think you were more upbeat on Europe and we probably got too negative and we were even more mild than a lot of people out on the street who were talking about 3% contractions there. So that maybe wasn't as big of a surprise, but uh, you're hundred percent right, Bruce. Things have been coming in even stronger and that's what you and I are kind of, we're debating. Before and on the inflation on the side, things have come in stronger, of course, as well. Yeah, At least core stronger, headline has, has been, been lower. And as yeah. I said last week, I think, you know, the second derivative on everything feels like it's positive, right? Which is it's not going in the right direction if you're a Fed or other central banks are trying to put the brake on. And here we are in the first quarter. And the question is, is this just still within that zone of observational equivalence? Like things can still break by the time we get to the end of this year when we think a recession is coming or is it either going to take a lot more central bank tightening if you want to deliver that, or maybe is this going to be just an expansion that can continue 
into the middle of next year before a recession or, or something right. breaks. So let me let me jump in here and, and give me give you my argument why there's a fundamental challenge going on, as I think that um, in the context of many people's views, and I'm not trying to argue you or everybody had it. I think there was a storyline that said with the fall in inflation, with a weakening in growth it, to the start of the year, not necessarily recession, some people did have it, some people didn't, that you would see a fundamental deterioration start to take place that would be creating vulnerabilities that help knock this thing over into recession. And that part of that would come from corporate margins, part of it would come from a deterioration in household balance sheets, and that the US economy specifically would be starting to feel more threatened. And I think what to my mind is the important signal, um, not just from this week's data, but from the recent data is that uh, we've gotten much stronger nominal growth, which has generated much better income generation. And in the US, when we look at the data on the profits, we look at the data on household income, it's been much more balanced. Um, and that what that suggests to me at least is that it's going to be unlikely that the dynamic of fragility and, and vulnerability tips this thing over. And what we're going to have to rely on and, and possibly could happen is just a greater impulse coming from credit Fed tightening than I think was was in the narratives uh, that many, many of us had or many people wait, had wait, at the start of the year. Fed tight, you mean you think the Fed needs to do more than what's in our forecast in order to get that? It might. It might, well, yeah. it might. Everything might. You can't no, I'm saying either, <laughs> either, either, either more Fed tightening or more credit tightening, and and certainly yeah, I mean, either I one mean, could. Either is, one could. This is what we were. This is what we were arguing about. I said it last week. One could argue that the tightening we've seen from the Fed was uh, generated the credit shock we're getting now, and we're going to get a lot more credit tightening, and that is roughly in line with what we were looking for, which is a recession that begins sometime by the end of this year. That might happen still. Of course, that's my point. But you're going to have to put more weight on that in a world in which you had thought Q4 and Q1 GDP growth in nominal terms was going to be running 3 or 4%, and it's now running closer to 7%. And the consequences of that is that corporate margins, when you adjust for inventories and silliness about the Fed losses, uh, is stable. And household income in the last two quarters in real terms has been growing 6.5%. Those things are big differences in the backdrop that you're ending the first quarter. And as a result of it, you're gonna need much more of that uh, uh, impulse to get you into recession to come from that interaction of Fed, Fed hikes and credit tightening. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, I mean, to me, it's not, it's not clear that the margin or lack of margin compression we saw in the fourth quarter, and I think you're right that we may not get much in the current quarter that things couldn't start to break down as we move into the second and third quarter. And when I say break down, they don't have to collapse. I'm just saying you start to feel like you come. Well, you just six, you're six months behind in that story. That's the point. You could no, you could always get it. I think you're I think you're three months behind. Uh, well, you're you're not taking into account the fact that our nominal GDP forecast for the first quarter has been revised up by three percentage points, and in doing that, that has income consequences for both for either households or or businesses. And I think for both mm -hmm. well, major, I, major implications. Yeah. I mean, we're not really revising our second quarter growth forecast. I'm not we? talking about this. I'm just saying we've, I said we pushed it back six months because you've had two quarters now 
where your income base is just going to be a lot stronger. And I think is looking I mean, more balanced. I, I mean, than, I, I, we had two quarters of contraction in the first half of last year that we had, were not even remotely on the radar screen. We didn't like upend our forecast on that, right? We just No, no. And, and, and I think data. one of the one of the interesting things about that is through that contraction, you had a huge price surge and that price surge in terms of what it did in her holding up nominal growth actually did come in terms of helping corporate income. What's what really saved the day there was that household income got dramatically compressed, but you had to draw down in the excess savings. So that was a big shock. It was a shock that was felt primarily on the household income side. Uh, corporates got the benefits of the rise in pricing power. Yeah. And you got saved because household drew down their excess savings in a pretty dramatic way that time. Yeah, I mean, I think we've had we've had certainly stronger growth, uh, more income overall to be split up, and a lot more of it was going to corporates. Well, I don't even want to say a lot more, but it's, corporates were getting a part of that, households were getting a part of that, and that's that pushes back strongly against anyone who had the view that we were falling into a recession in the first half of this year. And as you pointed out, there were a lot of people who thought that we were not in that camp. What that does to the second half of the year, I think it pushes back the third quarter for sure. You and I are kind of debating right now about fourth quarter or first half of next year. Does it push it? Sure. Does it get me to change my forecast? I don't think the time, look, the time issue is not the point I'm trying to make. The point is if you're gonna get it, you have to put a narrative together that puts more of the weight on credit, more of the weight on the transmission of Fed tightening, and less of the weight of an economy that is increasingly getting That's fragile. If you want it to happen by September or December, whatever time you want to do it, well, either, either you way, said timing doesn't matter here. I'm saying timing does matter a lot. Well, let's right? just say the, the by the end of this year. That that's the basic point. You go into 2024. I'll give you the fact that if you get, start to get the compression in margins in the second quarter, by the time you're in the spring of next year, a lot could have gone wrong. But I'm saying that this this stuff does take some time so that you by pushing this forward six months, if you're going to keep your recession call pretty close to where it was, you got to have more coming from the credit. And that's where I want to segue to now is, are we going to have more from that credit drag? Is this going to be something that is going to be significant, surprise us and potentially, um, you know, be the a far more, you know, substantial catalyst for the for the well, coming recession? We've, we've had a, a series of notes come out this week from our European team, UK team, uh, EM, and, and then we put out a global note kind of exploring some of these shocks on credit shocks on the cycle. And the, the point here is that they're, they're kind of hard to identify. What, what is easy to identify is that credit goes down when you fall into a recession. The, the reverse of that <laughs> is far less clear. Right. And people, I think, look at the first thing, which is credit goes down in a recession and they think, oh, all credit tightenings lead to recessions. And that is just not the case. And you can look at a number of periods throughout history where that hasn't been the case. And one of the tempering forces through that period is really just the health and general momentum of the expansion as you get those types of credit shocks. And as we just argued right now, things are pretty healthy, both on you know, the momentum point on the fundamental balance sheet points on the health of the corporate balance sheets, health of the household balance sheets, all of that is tempering, we think, the, the degree to which this 
credit shock, which already started late last year. Uh, shock is a is a inflammatory word, but credit conditions were tightening, rates were up, credit standards were tightening. We think we're going to get more of that uh, as we move through the the, the you know first half of this year. And you know the health of balance sheets, I think, are going to temper that. And I think that does kind of lead us to think that you know maybe that that credit shock will not deliver the the death blow to the expansion that that some are fearing. Will it push us into what we think will be a mild recession by the end of this year? I mean, Mike, our US economist, is kind of feels like this is within the realm of what he's been looking for anyway, which is why he and our other economists have not been changing their forecasts. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with the idea that this does build. I think it, uh, um, it builds um, partly because it's going to interact with a Fed that's not going to be in a position to ease if the economy isn't breaking down here. Uh, they may pause and we can debate that. I don't think we want to get into that this week. But, you know, you're going to continue to have balance sheets have to adjust to 5% or so rates. You're going to have the credit dynamic continuing to be a drag here. Um, and gradually over time, that's going to build in, in ways that are going to also interact with the fact that I think some of the things that are delivering the very strong growth at the beginning of the year, the um, unwind of the energy price shocks, the uh, unwind of the um, COVID problems that China's had and Japan has had and, and, and the energy shocks that hit Europe, you know, these are supports for growth now, um, but they're not going to be here as strong six or nine months from now. The credit stuff will probably be here strong and may be stronger and this stuff will go away. So I think you do become more vulnerable. I mean, that, that's the point I would make. I feel like the health of the uh, private sector here is coming in stronger, but I th feel like the case for these drags building um, and yeah, coming the against the economy. The drags are going to build and the supports are going to kind of come yeah. off, right? If, if the supports are the falling energy prices, that's certainly going to fade. Uh, the momentum in the labor market we think is going to fade, and next week we're looking for a step down to 200,000 on on payrolls, which would be a a momentum loss. 200,000 is still pretty good, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah. it's a it's a momentum loss. So uh, you know, yeah. interest rates have gone up, so credit costs will be going up to some extent, and and you know, they, so the drags are building and the and the supports are fading. The question is, is something going to break in that environment or are we going to kind of just kind of slip into this mild recession by late late this year? Yeah. So as you said, we're going to look for two hundred thousand on on employment next week, which is a downshift. And I think it is important that we we raised our forecast for first quarter GDP growth to three and a quarter here, but we don't think that's a reflection of where the underlying uh, trends are. There's definitely some things that have helped us here in the first quarter, including probably some benefits of mild weather. Um, but you have that. That we're looking for the ISM survey uh, to come off. The PMI went up in March, but there's some convergence coming of the levels of those two. Um, and there's uh, an important and interesting dynamic on jobless claims where we're going to get new seasonals next week, which should push them up. And I think that um, that's probably going to be part of the story that's going to make us feel that jobless claims are going to move up pretty materially here. Not, not yet recession-like, but I, I would say we're probably going to be two, three months here you know, well over 225,000 on, on claims. Um, in terms of anything else, is there anything global next week that I'm missing? Uh, PMIs, we both get the manufacturing, ah. global manufacturing and services PMI. And um, I think we probably, if we would go back before this week's flash readings, we probably would have been saying, 
we, or is it last week or a week ago? This thing is coming flat. Yeah, we had thought the PMIs were going to be about flat uh, this month, which is was okay in a world where they were stepping stepping up from their lows, and we took a lot of encouragement from that. Instead, March PMIs looked like they took another noticeable step up next week in the DM at least uh, next week we'll be getting the the EM which will be interesting and of course I'll be looking to the Asian manufacturing PMIs because they're as we've said week after week after week it's it's a very noisy picture there and this week was yet more noise I mean signals but across countries noisy with Japan up a lot finally after really bad ugly numbers got a nice bounce on its manufacturing numbers but korea yeah. took a huge step down so i don't know how you how you square all of this the pmis will be a very helpful guide to that so i'll be looking and we that. got the taiwan number today which was yeah which was right. positive which so was that's good. that's right so my, my bias would be that they move up but it is yeah. i think part of what you're you're getting in the reports is that the PMIs moving up don't necessarily align in a in a real time basis with the turn in manufacturing. It might prove to be a couple of months delayed here. I think if the PMIs do move up again this month in the manufacturing sector, I'd feel better that two or three months from now we're going to have a, a a manufacturing sector that will have recovered. But whether it's going to take one month, two months, or three months, I'm not going to feel all that you know confident in terms of timing. Yeah, I mean, one one thing I'll say is just as a general kind of. I mean, leading indicator in terms of information flow, the PMIs, you know, as a momentum indicator really signaled this momentum shift. And we were, everyone was kind of puzzling like, well, the levels are still low. So should we get that excited about the momentum turn? And the answer, I think, at least in this example is, yeah, we should have. And we were, right? We were saying that momentum lift in the PMIs is telling us there's a lift coming in the first quarter. And Boy, yeah, we've gotten a, a pretty pretty healthy lift yeah. here, pretty much in every country, right? Yeah, and the post-pandemic period, it hasn't been the best guide to the levels of growth, but it's been a pretty good guide to momentum swings, and yeah. that's what we're getting now is a positive momentum swing. Yeah. So on that note, um, I think we'll we'll end for now, and thanks everyone. Uh, hope to uh, be here next week. We've got actually. Um, problems that our production staff doesn't want to work on good friday and therefore we'll have to do this on thursday so we'll do an employment preview uh jp morgan tv next week and hope which was to have as good as the real thing right i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> well we can we can judge that after the fact anyway take care everybody and hope to see you again next week on jp morgan tv